Welcome to Shetland Voices, the island's podcast with me, Jane Moncrief. Well, this is my very first podcast for Shetland News and I thought I'm going to ask Barbara Fraser if she will have a yarn with me for the Christmas podcast because I've saw her tail lights disappear in the day over the hill and I thought Barbara has always intrigued me and I've never had the opportunity to sit and have a right yarn. So here I am in her house at Goldberwick and we're sitting at the side of the Rayburn and Barbara, I have to say, I didn't count that there was a house here on the right hand side of the road, never had two houses. How have I never noticed that the hundreds of times I'm keen doing this road? <laughs> well, there's not the only man by any means. I mean, I don't keep full money, fuck. Um, I've been coming to see me and hate to get directions. And they said, well, I never can't do it, who's just there? In fact, somebody said to me, well, are the houses there? <laughs> well, I, to be honest with you, I did a pretty recce earlier in the day. <laughs> so. Well, I'm glad they did because it was nearly dark when they were here. <laughs> just as, so that I can't exactly what I was getting. Well, that was fine. So, Barbara... I'll get you to do me a pity pot at history of yourself and your family, starting with where you grew up. Well, I was born in Mordlingit in Gazebrach in uh, uh, Yale, and that was in uh, 1940. And um, we, I grew up on a craft there um, until, until I was for, well, I left to go to the institute as it was then when I was 12. And at that time, uh, you get done and bed in the hostel, the Bruce Hostel, and we get done in mid-August, and we weren't home until October. And then it was just a long weekend. It wasn't as fortnight that you get new. So you were home for this uh, long weekend in October, and then you weren't home till Christmas again. So at, at 12 year old, it was a long stretch to Keynes. Uh, How did you day. talk to it? Um... <laughs> It's difficult to say. You, you just accepted that it was what you did, I suppose. And um, and they were the bonus that I made. You got the king fuck for you, but I made a lot of good friends and friends that I still have. Um, in fact, the five of us that uh, go for a meal twice a year normally. I mean, this year we've never been out, so we're hoping for. Uh, better things next year when we're ahead with vaccines. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a very different kind of a year and a, a different year for you to be having your 80th birthday in, to, to say the least. <laughs> certainly was, yes. <laughs> so, after school, um, uh, did you move for Yale or what happened? We, we actually moved for Yale when I was 14 because of this um, uh, education situation. Um, and uh, we moved to Colswick and uh, a cold week is my idea heaven. It's the most beautiful place. It, it is absolutely fantastic. We moved in June, and I was out with my father 20 weeks before that. And we first view a cold week, we came out with Jimmy Watt's bus, and um, and then he, he rang us in with a pity car into cold week. And come in over there and saw that valley, it was absolutely magical. And, uh, and I was just in love, <laughs> the first. 
<laughs> week of week, and that, that you've no other places ever come close. Well, I still feel when you going to Colswick, it's almost like a time warp. But it, mm-hmm. it feels like time has stood still it's, there to a degree. That is something, something magical about it. It's the only way they can describe it. And um, so um, I was there um, for five years uh, till um, till I married, and then we were in Wales for five years. Um, I had a parents was born when we were there. Um, by that time, of course, I had a parents was born in Annex when, when I was born, it was Hamburg. Mm-hmm. And me and me, the two brothers between me and were Malcolm, we were all born at home when Mordlinger and Gazebrug. Uh, where Malcolm was only was born in Annex. Uh, so it was uh, all very different. And you had three parents? Uh, I, I had three parents, yes. Mm-hmm. He, uh, Jonas the oldest thing, and then uh, Karen at the library, and, uh, and Dougie by Susie by Geneva Dinshire. So you'd have been quite a young mum. I wish I was 19 mm-hmm. uh, when uh, John was born. And then uh, there were uh, oh, two years between her and Karen, and then two years between Karen and Dougie. So yes, I, I was quite a young mum. And um, we were in Wales, um, we had Perihus, we just about the garden ground to Gaines. But then it was really a long way away from work. There were no work for the main out in the country areas at that time, and unless you got to see it, really. Um, and um, so Willie was working um, in the fish, and for that reason we moved in 1966 to Sandwick. There again to uh, just be about the garden ground, uh, so that he could went went home at nights. Um, but uh, even then it was it was awkward because he was able to go in with the bus again and. Uh, and Mr. Time by then a uh, week uh, he was working at the seafoods and there were huts there for the main to buy then so um, 1971 we came here and then uh, he, he was home at night at the time so, so that was fine So you've been here a brass start then? We are, yes Nearly 50 years yes, <laughs> that's right. Yeah And this was a craft So that was a big thing um, Did that kind of clinch it for you To get a craft That certainly did yes I was, I was very very glad to get the craft And um, But they were really They weren't even much cultivation down And this craft early enough They used to be about the tarties in front of the house and uh, it, either is that title, this was a very uh, barren kind of place. There were nothing grown, and I thought, well, if I say it isn't dark and grown, it would be something. <laughs> I think somebody don't belong must have been listening to me because there'd be no one to themselves. <laughs> um, but no, we just gradually cultivated a bit more and more till we had enough for that uh, and kale for the sheep and the humans and the vegetables and that. And, and it was fine and then we had with pits just uh, 10 minutes walk up the hill and that was a tremendous bonus. So what did your interest in crafting still like spring fair originally you know for anybody that doesn't know you you're still crafting at the age of 80 and you're doing various things yourself which we will come to <laughs> which marks you 
quite, maybe no unique, but certainly I think very unusual, maybe for somebody of your generation, Barbara, to be so independent. So, if I take you back to Gossabrock, is that where it started? That's where it started, yes. Yes, we had um, uh, a very craft there. And um, we you just grew up taking part in whatever the, f- the fuck was doing. Uh, if they were raising pets, you raised pets. And, um, they were hoeing tatties and, and that, you took your, your pretty hoe and you could with them. And then we fed it made was pretty wheelbarrows too. Uh, so each man had a wheelbarrow according to the size of the bed. Oh, lovely. <laughs> I mean, the wish they were toys, but my father obviously can't what he was doing. <laughs> um, so uh, they were that, and, um, but my main responsibility and the craft, even as a fairly pity bear, was looking after the carrots. Um, so I used to hold those carrots and weed those carrots and send them out religiously. Um, so we, we had a fine crop of carrots. And, um, and that was the, the way it was. And, uh, you never ever felt that you were being forced to do anything. It was just part of the craft life and you did it. And, and what's more, you, you loved the produce that came off of the craft. We had the kai, of course, so we had with butter and with curd milk and with buttermilk and, and all that. And this time of year, Barbara, where, where, well, this broadcast is going maybe between Christmas and New Year. Mm-hmm. What like was Christmas and New Year um, at Bo- Gossabrock at that time? There were a, a lot more visiting among the folk. Uh, there were uh, both Christmas and New Year, the main go around the houses to games with their, their bottles. And um, and you were really expected just to set your lap to this glass to against whatever age you were. But I may mind when mother saying as you were coming old that you say, well, mind that man only has that main bottle to keep him going for Christmas and New Year, so you're not to go and drink your bottle. <laughs> It's certainly something that'll not be happening this year, anyway. <laughs> well, no, that is true. <laughs> and what would you have eaten, like, a Christmas day in that? Um, just again, no, this is... This is nothing. I don't find that most of the thing I have a hug about Christmas. Um, there were no freezers then. So you just took off an animal just every now and again, and you ate what you could while he was fresh, and... Then in the winter, of course, you reasted what, what you couldn't eat fresh and uh, reasted it, um, sat it and dried it, and that was your reasted modern. But uh, no, you were eating off a hook for Christmas, certainly. And then uh, you would have your fried liver, and that was a right luxury. Really? Your, your, your fried liver, um, and uh, <coughs> fried liver with onions. And uh, and then your tea would have been your Christmas dinner, right enough. Um, and for toys, what a pet for the wheelbarrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, he never came at Christmas. He, oh. <laughs> he, he was ready for the working time of year. <laughs> um, but at Christmas, I I always got plasticine and a jigsaw. Yeah, pl- plasticine and a jigsaw. That was the that was the big thing. And the the plasticine was really specially welcome because you. The plasticine you had gotten the year before, all that bright colours you were playing with and played with till it was all mixed up together and it was all, it was all brown. It was a shiny brown colour. Yeah. Shiny brown colour and, and, and full of dog's hair. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was awful fine to get your new plasticine. 
And that friendly. smell. <laughs> they were smelly then at the Nonu. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah. Because I, I bought plasticine for... No, tell you a lie. Marines bought me a packet of plasticine last year. <laughs> <laughs> and it was lovely, but they wouldn't smell me it. Like the Abbey toxic. No longer allowed, but it did have a very special smell. <laughs> it did, yes. And, and when we plasticine, I always made a firm. We uh, fancy we the broom plasticine and pretty yellow dukes and cayenne sheep. I, I always made a fair and we the plasticine. So that crafting was just so, in you uh, right the, for the get go, do you the, think? The, the, the crafting was, was yeah. there. The, the obvious thing was the matter of fairing. So, um, yeah, I got plasticine and, and the jigsaw. The, uh, well, we all got plasticine and then I got the jigsaw and. Um, I think we're boys getting um, pistols. That's likely not quite politically correct, no. But uh, <laughs> when boys got pistols, we kept, kept guns to guns. And water pistols. Daddy guns. That was a big thing, too. Uh, so, so that was it. But there were no big toys like what they had, no. Just a more modest mm-hmm. kind of affair. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that's right. And then you ain't got your apple and your orange in, in the tear of the sock as well. Uh, Moving on for that, Barbara, and speaking, Tickham was kind of up to date. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we touched on earlier, you are 80 year old. Yes. And that's quite a monumentous age, but you're still a very independent woman. So talk me through kind of what your, your yearly routine is still new. But before we do that, I kind that you treated yourself to quite a special <laughs> present for your 80th year. I, I certainly did, yes. Well, that was, uh, was actually necessary because I was had a quad, my last quad, for nearly 22 years, and she packed it in on me. So I did need an editing. And I suppose Miss Fokker, my age, would have bought a kind of good second hand in. But I thought, well, I'm coming up for 80, and I'm wanting to get myself a, a <laughs> right good present, so I, I ordered this brand new quad. But uh, a lot of folk your age are getting up their cars, never mind buying <laughs> brand new quads. <laughs> <laughs> so that begs me to ask, why a quad and, and uh, no a car? Uh, I never, ever learned to drive a car. Uh, I, I did that for three lessons, and it just didn't work. I couldn't cope with this vehicle where I couldn't see where the wheels were. Right. So I, I had a motorbike or, or the quad. Um, so I, you had a motorbike for the quad? Yes, I, I had a motorbike for, I was 50-ish, I think, must have been, yes. Um, pretty, pretty hand, uh, C90. Well, my, actually, my first um, motorbike, type vehicle was um, a 50cc, I had the express. And how I came to hear that in, um, I was said to a friend of mine, I was seeing this Honda express and I said, well, you're no muckle mare as a push bike, I could maybe drive something like you. And I came along the friend this day and he says, um, I'm seeing many on Honda expresses in the Shetland Times for sale. And I'm phoned up the fucking Telton to buying it. <laughs> really? Exactly, yes. <laughs> and you're dead, yeah. <laughs> we like the interruption then. <laughs> so that, that's who I came to hear the, the, the first pretty motorised vehicle. And then um, I was seeing, well, as it was just three wheelers around, but by the time I got around to buying something, then it was quads. 
Um, so that was fine because uh, that that was you, you could go on the ride with that as well. So you use her on the ride and for the craft too. That's right. Yes. Yeah. In fact, Amy quads has been used far more on the ride the steering with the craft. Um, and uh, because I used to sell flowers for a long time, and I go down to country halls with my trail and with, with my flowers, and uh, that the Sunday days. And I can mind on you doing the garden aside the Mukilhan Scala, coming with that, That's right, yes, I can with quite, I also can with the Pretty Motorbike uh, to that garden. And it's amazing what that pretty motorbike could carry in the basket on the back because I actually carried the petrol strimmer in the back of that motorbike. <laughs> well, quite undaunted, I think, by, by that. Uh, do you never feel vulnerable or nervous getting on the road with a quad, with the amount of traffic it's about? Uh, uh, no, really, no. Um, I, I suppose I'm just getting it in it. And I wouldn't like to be in, enclosed. For, uh, if I'd be this thing, I'd like to see where the wheels is. I don't like really being enclosed uh, on the ride. Some said to me it, when I was buying the quad, they said I should have got Nina Dessins that was covered in, and I didn't want the it was covered in. But you um, still go our weather's with it? Um, yeah, unless it's frost. Mm -hmm. I don't go with frost, and I went to go with just a flying hurricane looking. <laughs> Uh, but but either is that no I go with any kind of weather the full set of other skins yeah <laughs> windproof stuff anyway yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and what do you think of the new the new machine oh absolutely excellent no I really do like the new the new machine um, I um, when we last in carried away um, uh, a friend very kindly offered to weld her up for me and she would have been fine for a few years yet. But I thought, well, I never can fool my old brain with me working in 40 years' time. <laughs> and, uh, and I felt that at this stage I could get used to uh, driving a new quad, because obviously there were going to be pretty differences in 20, 22 years. Mm -hmm. So I thought, if I'm going to get a new one, I better get in new. So that was it. So a happy outcome there. Happy outcome, yes. So I kind that you you still pretty much look after the craft uh, by yourself. So what does your year's work entail? Well, um, I mean, this time of year, because I hear this fluid borders as well, this time of year I'm desperately trying to get this fluid borders tidied up. So I'm ready to start dialing uh, early March. Then I start dialing out this year. Up to last year, I'm thinking home thousands of bags of seaweed put on this land uh, and a lot of horse smoke as well and uh, I, I kind of feel that the energy is weighing in a bit so I don't manage to fetch out those bags of seaweed now but uh, because I'm fetched so much so in the past um, uh, well 20 odd years uh, I had me, got my first quad no 30 years I got my first quad because I'm fixed to at that time, this is absolutely in splendid conditions. Um, splendid texture for working. So I could really deal here any time. Um, whereas a lot of folk, they had to wait for the ground to dry out right before they can deal with things, because it doesn't drain off a wheel. But mine is such a lovely free texture, we had a seaweed that's getting on it. So anyway, um, I, uh, well, during the first early part of the winter, um, I would generally tidy up a bit, place, trim the edges of it, and uh, talk up any dockings and stuff like that. Um, and then, as I say, start then about March, and, and I start putting my tarties in uh, about the 
equinox time, the 21st, 22nd of March, and then I start talking to the about the equinox time in September. <laughs> um, so I bung the mind then, it's a lot earlier as lots of folk does, but they're in there and they're coming to the harem and they'll just grow when it starts to get warm. And because I'm dealing with that takes time, so uh, I can put them in then and they're coming to the harem and then I can get on me putting them in the Shetland Keel. And I start putting them in um, the first days of April. That's something that you've really been concentrating on and, and have a, a strong feeling about keeping the Shetland Keel going? Is that well, right? I do because there are fewer and fewer around them now. Um, I mean, a lot of years ago, um, we actually sell Shetland Keel plants and it was nothing to be selling maybe seven, eight thousand they didn't do gains. There were quite a lot of crafters that took anything for five thousand to seven thousand. When men even took twelve thousand Really? Um, I mean no, because um, I still sell a pity to Artie if I have anything going spare. I mean the mist that anybody would take new would maybe be, be a thousand. Mm -hmm. But mist for would just want a hundred or two and, and that's the difference. And there's no that money a dime even. Just a pretty core note against maybe with just a take up full out take on spare and then they package it and uh, they sell it through various outlets and just a packet the same size as the ordinary vegetable packets that you see to games. And what do you and do with the cow then if you're not selling it? Um I feed it to the sheep. Yeah. Um for the end of July and then, because the Shetland keel grows and grows and then the iron blades that start going yellow and far enough out. So, by the end of July, uh, I start cutting it to the sheep. And not that needed at that stage, but I mean, if you didn't do that, it would just wither away the things and, and get wasted. Um, so I start cutting it to the sheep at that time and I cut it right through till the end of April. So uh, keep them going with that. And how many sheep do you hear? I, I just hear this one. Mm -hmm. um, I could hear mayor here because I hear fair stretch of hell, but I don't want any mayor. I just want enough to give me lambs for the freezer mm -hmm. and uh, and to keep going, to keep the flock going, and, and that's it. So when it comes to the sheep work, do you still add, do adapt yourself? Do you shear and put half uh, Yes, I, I can still clap. Um, I was the sure about that this year, but I did manage it. Uh, the year before, when uh, our youngins was home, I thought it would be fine for my great-grandsons to see me clipping the sheep. And it was the worst decision I made because the sheep was absolutely terrified that us pretty bairns. So they were awful, awful awkward to work with. And I didn't realise why they were so awkward. And I thought, well, I'll have to get somebody else to clip them this year because I'm no able for young carry on. <laughs> and then uh, I thought, oh, I'll need to go. And, and they were as good as could be this year. And it was just, just me and the sheep. And they were nothing to burden them. <laughs> just gloved with the, the bairns. They, they were just gloved with the bairns, yes. And uh, is it just Shetland sheep? It is just Shetland, yes. No, no, I couldn't work with any of the beguines. Um, I mean, you had to get them up behind it and set them on the backside, and um, <laughs> that's the hard bit. I mean, once you get them on the backside, then you just uh, hide them with air and clock with the other hand, and that's the better. Well, I felt it quite hard to upend the sheep, Bob. <laughs> so <laughs> I think <laughs> if you're still doing it at 80, that this was our hope. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the size of them. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what about um, the fleeces and that? What do you do with that? Uh, they just go to the wool brokers. 
and uh, I mean you don't get muckle for them and we got less this year as ever for them but that gets ready to and it has to come off for them anyway. Um, um, what other craft work do you have really? What else do you work um, with here? Uh, well of course for me and Kel and Dad is I grow for the sheep and I, I hear the usual range of vegetables like uh, carrots, onions, nips and then um, I hear pre tunnel as well. That's something that folk never used to hear. Oh, of course, and we can't uh, see them now because it's pitched uh, dark. No, we so don't A pretty polycrubber? Uh, no, the was polycrubs wasn't coming when I got mine. But if I was replacing them new, I would certainly hear polycrub. I think the most splendid things, because they're double skinned and then they're that sturdy, they can stand up to any kind of weather. So, uh, what do you grow in your tunnel? Um, I hear. Um, uh, blackberries is my favourite crop out of the tunnel. They freeze off a wheel too. Uh, so I hate them. Um, and I hate a fig tree. Oh, very, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Very proud of my fig tree. And the, the main comparison between the figs you get off of that tree and the things that you buy in the shop. Um, I suppose only a young fruit that you buy in the shop. I'd say pack it when it's just, no, just absolutely ripe. Because it has to be packed so it can travel. So there's no comparison between that and what you can go and pick for yourself. And with the carrots and nips and onions that you grow, are you self-sufficient? Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I usually hear buy towards the onions towards the end of the season, because they don't really keep off a wheel. Uh, some years they keep better the cedars, but uh, I hear to buy some onions, but um, carrots and nips, no, that keeps me going right through. Um, and, uh, and there again, if I hear old money, for example, early nips, I'd fed one of the early nips this year, and I'd just chop them up and put them in the freezer, and then they, they do fine for stews and soups uh, right through that they come again. So you're obviously somebody that spends a great deal of time outside doing physical work and enjoys it. I was going to say I spent a great deal of my time putting stuff in the freezer. We probably do, do you? I spend as much time as possible outside doing physical work. Because um, they're the pits as well, of course. Um, I start casting my pits in early May. And um, I mean, you really don't spend an awful lot of time on the pits. Foxy attacks you are summer. Well, that might well stretch over the whole summer, but you're not in the pit hall at the time because you cast them and then it's a fortnight, three weeks before you can raise them. And again, going back to the, the casting, that might not have been a thing that would have been commonly done by women of your generation, is it fair to say, Barbara? Well, well that's what I can never understand, because the casting is easier as a lot, a lot, lot of jobs. And in some areas, no in one area, but in some areas, the women actually flayed the banks, which is the hardest work, and then the main, <laughs> the main custom. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> we see this in cultures all over the world. <laughs> so when, when did there was this idea that the women didn't have the expertise to cast, goodness knows. But, but in, in, workplaces, in workplaces, the men did add, add that, they flayed them and cleaned them and, and cursed them, to be, to be fair to the Yale men and the Goldsweet men. <laughs> They did add that. So but what brought about the change? Are you deciding to cast your own pets? Well, it was um, when my husband got to university, he got as a mature student. He was 50 when he when he got. And the first year that he came home uh, for his Easter holidays, he cut the pets in April. And 
a lot of years you would have gotten away with that. But that year they got especially severe frost and it really just destroyed them. Especially the blue pits. Mm, you said it's good blue mold here. V very good blue blue mm -hmm. wood and yeah. and it was really just the same as if you you dealt over a bit of garden ground and let it break up with frost for the winter to gain. Mm -hmm. And uh, and this frost just broke up the blue clouds and and they were no quality and uh, and they just burned away to gain some night time they hit with them. So the following year he was going to cut them when he came home in June and and I thought, well, that's an awful pity for them to come home and hit a start into the pits right away. And then it's going to be such a rush as summer. So I just got up and started and carried on casting. And by the time we come home in June, then they were cut and raised and turned and nearly ready to come home. <laughs> and, and I just absolutely loved it. So <laughs> I bet you loved it too. <laughs> well, well, yes, I think he's quite pleased. <laughs> And you still do that yourself? I do, yes. And you've enough to keep you going the whole year? I have enough to keep me going. I, I, want, I like to work a year ahead. Because at, at my age, you never came to the case, you might say anything to get the tax you off your feet for a week or two of that. So I like to make sure that I have enough to keep me going uh, for, for another year. Well, could I ask about your health, Barbara? You seem remarkably robust and supple for for somebody uh, eighty. Like well, I suppose I'm just lucky, really. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm very conscious of that. That it's sheer luck, um, because an awful lot of poor souls say things that happens to them long before that. that um, I mean, uh, I friends would that we rheumatism type things, and folks say broken bones and. Maybe long-term illnesses and things like that, and I'm just been very, very lucky. I don't know how any of that. It's a lot of the the labour associated with pets and sheep and uh, various things like that is quite hard on the back. Yeah, I've never been bothered with back problems. I I don't think why because I'm certainly a bit overweight. I'm quite <laughs> conscious of that. <laughs> but that doesn't seem to end up being worse anyway. And do you just keep going all day? Put, um, take me through your day. Well, um, I I usually get up fairly early. I mean, I'm usually up, uh, well, half six to seven this time of year. And then uh, in the summer, I think the walk, and it's a ridiculous hour in the morning, and very often in the pit till the half five or that. Um, but um, I ate I here while in the afternoon, I, I watch countdown. Very after my fast sleep watch and cook them. <laughs> window. <laughs> and, uh, <coughs> but what, what I do, I do the the heavy work through the first of the day, up to the end of time. Anything, anything heavy I'm going to do, I do it up to the end of time. And then after that, it's just part of the book to games. Is there ever mm. anything that you thought about that you think, I can't do them because I'm a wife, a female? Um, I don't know. There's things that I regret them not able to do. I mean, for example, when, when I was at school, there was no chance for the lasses to do midwork. And it would be very handy new if I could do midwork properly. Um, I mean, I can knock up a grind if I want to grind for myself. <laughs> and uh, I can uh, I can make uh, wooden hurdles for container and sheep and that kind of thing, but I can't do proper midwork. And I think it would be fine to be able to do that. And you can also big stain, can't you? I love big stain. <laughs> um, 
and that happened um, I was just around about the period about the age and a fluid water and it was maybe 10 feet long and and I needed about a an inch and it was six, eight inches high I would say so I did that and I thought I just love that and he's seen on top of that so I started and I um, what did I, oh yes I bigot the, the driveway decks first because um, I thought it'd be awful bony to hay decks up the driveway and floor borders. And uh, I had this kind of grandiose um, scheme in my mind to begin with. I was being to the Dothy Park in Aberdeen and I was seeing this um, lovely big road iron gate. So I thought, wouldn't it be fine to head that at the foot of the road? And then this uh, steam decks and this floor borders. Well, I shouldn't realise that it wouldn't be sensible to head this. Uh, road iron gates at the foot of the ride and here I opened them at a time <laughs> so that didn't come but I, I big at the decks and uh, I started picking up just the very best stain I just gathered my stain here and there whatever I could find it and I used nothing but the best and then I realised that wasn't going to work I would never get enough stain so you can you can easily see that bushes growing out at noon, but you can easily see when I had that uh, uh, that, that moment <laughs> when I realised I would just need to big me on it, <laughs> and and it's really quite easy. It's like a giant jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, that, that, that's how it is, and and every stain fits in somehow. So so I carried on, and uh, big at the driveway decks, and then. Um, the other day I was looking up this window, it was the most godless day of this hurricane and we had wedding fencing around this backyard and that was just going against way from our old place. And I thought, well, really, when I turned old, um, and if you was to carry away on me and I was old, I wouldn't be able to do a thing about it. But if I, big, big stained dicks now, then that'll be hit forevermore. So I started, and I just big it in the, that big it around the kale yards, dig it there, and when I was finished bringing the yards, then there was stain left over. And uh, I, I was very disappointed that we would never had um, a traditional pity house we had bought for a roof. And I was needing a yuki house, so I used this leftover stain as far as it good and then of course I hate to go and get more stain but anyway I big at this yuki house and uh, we hate this pretty boat that Billy used for the, to go to Rila Wee and then when he no longer used it for going to Rila the bairns had around the yuki pool grand bairns had around the yuki pool uh, we used to maroon in the nether on the island in the middle of the pool and when I that was by we then this boat was just lying and I thought, well, right, I'll bring a yuki house and I'll head this boat for the rough. So I did that. Did you do all that yourself? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, I had to get the young to lift the boat. The <laughs> That's what I was with. <laughs> yes. Oh, you got that up there. Yes. Uh, she, she wasn't a heavy bother, even the photos when I managed to. Yeah. But uh, no, I had to get them to lift the boat down. Um, and, uh, but they were staying left over. Uh, and... Uh, I was never had we iron kale plants that we used to sell. I was never had a proper traditional planty crop, a ruined planty crop. It was all just been ramshackle wind structures, just for shelter. So I thought, well, it would be fine to have a proper planty crop. 
So I um, big it the first thing and once more there was staying left over. <laughs> so I big it the second thing and um, and still there was staying left over. <laughs> it's just kind of like a fable or uh, something. Uh, well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, uh, the <coughs> final penny but the digging was just outside the door here when um, um, a wooden fence at Billy Patock when my grandson was um, a toddler to hinder him going to the rand and uh, he's uh, out of art he knew and that was carrying away so I mean I've been there for 40 years it was not in that bad and uh, I thought well there were no way I could put up a wooden fence uh, this is where the regret about the wind comes in again mm -hmm. there were no way I could put up a wooden fence it would look like they had bully put up so I just took away the brooks out together and I put up a pretty bit of deck uh, it was just about um, maybe 18 inches high if it was that even and that was um, two years ago so that was my final, final matter begging. I, I, I think, I think. <laughs> Maybe. Do you have any other ambitions for the craft? Um, not... Or project is uh, maybe a better word. Uh, not at the moment. Well, when I'm trimming my bushes, um, my, my fuchsia uh, and the likes of that, I stick the cuttings outside the, the fence down here at the right, so I'm hoping that it might grow to make a kind of good big hedge in the future. <laughs> Um, I just wish that I'd started planting a great lot of trees earlier. I, oh yes, I, I, I'm certainly vexed I didn't do that. But um, no, no, I think it's just a case of keeping it going and um, doing the running repairs that I can do. And, and I may be lucky that I'm finding somebody to do the things I can do. And, uh, well, I do, that's not very much <coughs> about this. Well, uh, for example, I hear a very kind friend that sweeps along for me <laughs> twice a year. Because I couldn't hear this bit fine if I didn't hear a friend to sweep along. True as that. <laughs> the other thing I can that you will count for is writing poetry. <laughs> what, when do you find time to do that? Well, that comes in fits and starts. Um, in fact, I'm not written muckle for a while. Um, but I... Um, I was only written bits and pieces back and forth and then for a lot of years I got to the West Side Writers Group and that was really splendid. Uh, it was a splendid night out. We met once a month and uh, we uh, we had a theme uh, which uh, I tried to stick there but you didn't hate it. And it was just that fine to go there and uh, the folk was good company and it was fine to hear other folks work against. Um, and this year... Uh Covid, Barbara, you're quite a sociable person, but you obviously live on your own now and have for quite some time. Mm -hmm. What's been your kind of philosophy for trying to, to cope with the sort of, well, maybe the loneliness or the isolation that can be that? Uh -huh. Well, to tell you the truth, and the craft, because of my routine and the craft, I don't suppose it's impinged so much on me as it might have done on lots of folk. Because there is such a lot going on outside here with us animals and I hens and dukes and, and that. And it really takes up a lot of your time tending to uh, that. Um, and then, um, I mean, I've been able to see friends in a socially isolated kind of way. And, um, 
head must be about the decade bag that was about 15 inches or so high. Um, accidentally, this was a fork COVID, because I finished at a fork COVID camp. Accidentally, that was just the right height for Southern Island. <laughs> so, if uh, anybody turned up, then I would just take good cushions and we would sit down the deck and speak. And uh, it, was, it was ideal. Um, um. But uh, also, um, this new quad coming. Um, I think it, because of COVID, once it, you were released for your five um, mile limit to gain, so you could go further away from home, then I really wanted to go far more as I might have done if it hadn't, hadn't been for that restriction. To try a route. So, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I sat off with the quad and I was here and there and everywhere. I was, well, I drifted at half a call the first hill and then I walked up around this hill. And Ah, uh, in the on the quad. No, no, I mean no, no on the, the top on the, the quad, but the, I mean the, you. I, yeah, well, it is the top of the hill, and then park it there, and then you walk up down a hill, feet there. And I was wanting to do that when I was eighty, so I left that to left at the fifth of July. <laughs> um, and um, and I'm walking to the point of London S and. Uh, after the water call sweep and uh, just a great lot of places that I wouldn't have gotten room to go on either ways and, and I think that that was because of COVID as I just wanted to do it new or never. So um, I'm really clocked up, um, well by the end of the summer I think I was clocked up at 2,400 miles in the quad. Really? <laughs> 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 you surely have been going about. When I got back to Stephen Malcolmson, the, the dealer to get oil changed, he said well he says, um, some fuck never does this kind of mileage in five or ten years. Some fuck never ever does this kind of mileage on a quad. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the same while that going up north on that road, it doesn't bother you? Not at all. No, no. It's, it's good wide rides. Plenty of good double rides. Plenty of room for fuck to pass me. <laughs> <laughs> so what's left to do, Barbara? What would you have any ambitions um, or things that you would still like to do? Um, I would I would love to go to the Faroes once it uh, would allow the Roma round again. I would, I would love to go to the Faroes. And I think it is that just to explore more and more around here. Because I, on trips I did last summer, uh, I realised so many places I wasn't been into and explored properly. So I think that would be the main things. I think it's been a great year for that in Shetland and, and mm -hmm. I kind that you're on Facebook and, and you're mm -hmm. quite au fait with the social media and that, mm -hmm. but you've seen how many folk have turned the opportunity mm -hmm. to explore where they are. Oh yes, well um, I mean I was several times out in Colswick and it was amazing how many folk I saw coming and going to the Colswick Brach. Because when I was there in my teens, I was there many a time, but you never met a human being there at all. But no, it's just a right thoroughfare, the King's Fade Chapel, you're on the Coast Week now. Well, it is, I have to say, it's when that, that we love to go and visit and mm -hmm. take the Grand Bairn and stay as well. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's really fine. So, so I think that's it. And, and because I want to explore more and more through the summer, I want to get more down in the winter here so that I can explore. Like he had us floorboarders in order uh, for the fine weather comes, and uh, army crops in in time of year, and we'll maintain and that sort. We a fine day, I can just set off. 
So a busy so, one to the Hague. A busy one to the Hague, yes, that's right. Well, Barbara, it's been an absolute pleasure sitting speaking to you. <laughs> and, thanks uh, very much. I'm sure there are lots of things that we're likely not touched on that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that we'll, we'll speak about after when we hear a cup of tea. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, we need a cup of tea after all this speaking. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation and you can follow Shetland Voices at shetnews.co.uk or wherever you find your podcasts. <laughs>